0: Hey, welcome into the Jeff Fitoff Show. I'm Jeff Fitoff. Tito, find me on Twitter at fit Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, got a lot to talk about today. And first, I want to talk about the Super Bowl. Get a recap on that. The uh, Rams over the Bengals, twenty three to twenty. And um, I, look, I thought the Rams would win. I thought the Rams' defensive line would be the difference. Really, wasn't. I mean, for part of the game, I guess it was. But uh, we'll talk more about that in a minute. But top to bottom this is probably the most entertaining playoffs we've ever had that I can remember. Um, And uh, you know, I I know there were a couple of duds in the first round, the Steelers got, uh, you know, blown out by the chiefs, things like that happened. Um, But you know, for the most part though, every game was very competitive and came down to the wire. And it was, um, you know, it was, it was fun to see that it was great for the NFL. Um, it, uh, It, it shows you, um, how balanced the NFL really is. Uh, a team like Cincinnati can come from where it came from a couple years ago to get to the Super Bowl uh, in an organic kind of way with like draft picks and building through the draft where the Rams went the opposite way. And, um, you know, they they spent big on getting Matthew Stafford, gave up a lot of draft assets for that. And then, you know, they also gave draft assets, get Jalen Ramsey, um, Von Miller, uh, they get OBJ, they get guys that they brought on later on that it shined for other teams or had previous careers where they shine. So um, very, it was a con- uh, contrasting styles there with the way they got to the game. And then in the game, if you just watched it, the um, the adjustments the teams made to each other was fun to watch uh, between the, uh, you know, Taylor and McVay and, the way that the coaching staffs, it was it was a true clinic on coaching on both sides. They both did really well. Now, certainly as in any game, you're going to see calls and say, ah, it's kind of a weird call. I wonder why they did that. Um, but for the most part, I thought it was a well-called game and a competitive game. And uh, it was um, uh, a lot of fun to watch. Now, uh, it was a justification for Stafford and the Rams because the Rams went all in this year by getting Stafford and then making the other moves they made. They kept uh, you know, pushing their chips to the middle and saying, we're, we're going for it this year, we're going for it this year. And, you know, uh, the fact they were able to pull it off uh, is, a, is a big deal and good for Matthew Stafford. I've always been a Matthew Stafford fan. I thought that he was kind of languishing in Detroit uh, with the team that was going nowhere most of the time, and th- they wouldn't make the moves they needed to make uh, to be competitive, as evidenced by the fact they lost. You know, Barry Sanders retires early. Calvin Johnson retires early tough situation to be in and uh I'm glad Stafford uh finally got a chance to be with a a true contender and although look he had the costly interception in the first half of the game against the Bengals and uh had some costly interceptions throughout the season I think he had four pick sixes or three pick sixes it was some ridiculous number like that had some interceptions in the playoffs as well but um Stafford gets his ring and uh you Aaron Donald gets a ring and um you know, it, it's uh, good for the Rams on that. Now the Rams defense as I, I thought was supposed to dominate the Bengals offensive line. And for most of the first half, that was really not the case. If you watch the game in the first half, the Bengals did a fantastic job of um, keeping Joe Burrow's uniform clean. Now it's turf. So it's going to be clean no matter what, but you know what I mean? Not sacking him, not put a lot of pressure on him. There were some times they did, but it wasn't what I thought it would be. The, the Rams made some adjustments late first half, early second half that really started to change uh, the tide of the game. And, Although I don't think that's what won the game for them overall, I do think it played a more prominent factor after about the first 25 minutes or so of the game. Um, Rams had a tough injury. OBJ Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, gets hurt. Looks like they fear it's a torn ACL. And uh, no matter how I feel about the guy, you know he was what he did in Cleveland wasn't wasn't a great thing. I thought that he was uh, actually pretty shitty to Cleveland, to the organization, to the fans the way he told Von Miller not to go there and never perform there. And his dad, you know, did what he did, but. You know, OBJ set the Browns franchise back a little bit, but you know, he gets to the stage and gets a chance to do this, and uh, going out with the torn ACL is tough. But uh, I was impressed with the Bengals defense. They did better than I thought they would against this Rams offense. And um credit to the Bengals coaching staff for that. The the Bengals defensively um really uh, you know made the Rams work for their points. And um, I thought the Rams would put up 30 plus in this game, they put up 23. And uh, one of the plays was on kind of I will uh, um, I should say a couple of fluky plays in that got them to that point. But yeah, so the uh, the Rams though um, had their struggles against the uh, the Bengals defense. So now I wonder who has the better chance to get back next year among these two teams. It's very tough, as we know, um, unless you know even for Tom Brady, it's tough to repeat as Super Bowl champs. It's tough to repeat and get back to the Super Bowl. There's been a long history of teams that lose a Super Bowl and then the following year really fall off. I don't think that'll happen to the Bengals, but let's talk about these two teams going forward. The Rams next year, uh, because of the way they were all in and traded draft picks around for Stafford and did things like they did behind the scenes, look, the Rams don't pick until the end of the third round this year. There was a time, George Allen, long time ago, coached the uh, the Washington, they call the Redskins, the Washington football team though, and uh, he was famous for having no use for rookies. And he would routinely, and this was back when the draft was 16, 17, 18 rounds, whatever it was, he routinely not picking to like the fifth or sixth round if it happened. And he didn't care. He wanted veterans. He would trade the picks for veterans. And that's what he did. I'm not saying the Rams are going to go that route, but they don't pick till the third round this year and uh, end of the third round even. It's uh, I think a compensatory pick they're going to get. So uh, they don't pick the end of the third round. So um, as far as their free agents, they are estimated right now to be over the cap. Um, some of the guys they really need to sign a couple of guys in the offensive line, Brian Allen, their center, their right guard, Austin Corbett, a couple of guys on defense. You've got uh, Darius Williams, a uh, defensive back and also Von Miller. Uh, those are guys I think that are key. So you have to make some moves around to open up some cap space for those individuals. OBJ also um, a, a free agent. I, I think he'll be back, but it, it's going to have to be on a cheap deal. Another prove a deal for OBJ because of the injury he suffered. So the Rams, Lose some key pieces, and they're over the cap. So they need to make some, be creative in some ways and try to get room to sign all these guys. Uh, the Bengals, they obviously need to improve the offensive line. That's the key for them to get back next year. Their offensive line, Burrow, was sacked, including the postseason, something like 70 times this year. A ridiculous number. Uh, no one's ever been sacked that much and made it to the Super Bowl as far as in the regular season and the postseason. But the Bengals, um, they need to spend some draft capital to improve the offensive line. Now, the good news for Cincinnati is – they're estimated to have more than $57 million in cap space, which is third best among all NFL teams. $57 million they've got to spend. Now, uh, their left guard, Quito uh, Spain, he's an important piece. He's an unrestricted free agent. Other ones include uh, their tight end, CJ Uzoma, and uh, safety, Jesse Bates, and cornerback, Eli Apple. Uh, those guys are all free agents, so the Bengals have to work to keep them. I think those are the most important ones. Eli Apple, I know he got burned in the Super Bowl, still a key piece, though, of that Bengals defense. Let's move on now to the. So, who's got the better chance? Let me go back to that. Who's got the better chance? Probably the. I want to say the Bengals do, just because of how much space they have, how young they are. Uh, the Rams have got to really configure some things to make room for the players they need to keep, and um, you know they everyone's a year older on that team. I the Bengals are, are a younger team. And uh, I think the Bengals have a better chance. Today, as we sit here right now, if you ask me to put money down on one or the other, I'd put it on the Bengals getting back before I would the Rams. It could all change based on free agency trades and whatnot as we saw the way the Rams uh, reshaped their roster. But I think that right now, the Bengals have a better chance of getting back next year than the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, Carson Wentz of Indianapolis Colts. The Colts missed the playoffs uh, this past season, collapsed down the stretch. And now it looks like Carson Wentz is very likely to be traded or released by the Colts, which is a surprise for me. I I did a piece earlier on where I thought uh, a few weeks back where I thought there were 10, 10 quarterbacks, I think in the league who could possibly win a Super Bowl. Wentz is not one of them. I don't think Wentz is a Super Bowl winning quarterback you want to have on your team. If you're now, he's a good bridge quarterback. I think I don't think he's a long-term answer for you. Uh, Robert Ursay is not happy with uh, the way the Colts season ended. And was very non-committal about Carson Wentz. Now they gave up a lot of capital to get Carson Wentz to get him in there uh, for the Colts, but they might make a play for a veteran. They might draft one. Who knows? But uh, it looks like Carson Wentz's days in uh, Indianapolis are likely numbered. I want to talk about the Hall of Fame here? Uh, they had their announcement. They uh, Tony Baselli, Jacksonville uh, tackle. He is in uh, Leroy Butler, safety from Green Bay. Sam Mills, a linebacker from Carolina. Richard Seymour, New England defensive lineman. Uh, Bryant Young, San Francisco 49ers defensive lineman Cliff Branch, uh, the wide receiver for Oakland Art McNally, longtime official, and Dick Vermeule. Those are the ones in the class. And we look at the guys who didn't get in, guys like Andre Johnson. Uh, you know, it's in the in the NFL, and even like some of these guys had to wait years. Again, Baselli, I thought would be in a long time ago. The the Pro Football Hall of Fame does a good job, I think, of getting it right most of the time. They're more exclusive, it seems to me than other leagues halls of fame. Uh, what comes to mind is baseball. I think in baseball right now, there's a, a number of players that, first, there's a stairway debate, which we usually don't have with the NFL guys. Um, it hasn't come up with like the PEDs and the way it um, has adjusted some of the numbers in the history of the game. But the NFL, I think, does the best job of putting deserving players into its museum. And it is a museum. Don't forget that. Uh, baseball, sometimes there's all these debates about not just is the guy worthy, but did he cheat to get there? And we don't see it very often in the NFL. We won't see it when Tom Brady comes up with the flake gate. That won't come up or about the, the, um, uh, spy gate. None of that stuff will come up when Tom Brady's time comes up, he will be in. And I don't think it'll affect Bill Belichick, obviously either when his time comes up. So these guys that get in, you know, Tony Baselli uh, hurt by injuries. The NFL is more forgiving about a shortened injury career, injury, shortened career than other sports are. Um, you know, in other sports, if you get an injury before you really have a complete career, they'll hold it against you when it comes to voting for getting in the Hall of Fame. So, Baselli gets in. Uh, Sam Mills, the linebacker of Carolina, fantastic linebacker for the Panthers. I found out in doing some research he was once in Cleveland Browns camp as an undrafted free agent before going to Carolina. So, the Browns had a chance to have Sam Mills and didn't get him. Uh, Cliff Branch is the one I want to talk about as far as long overdue getting in. Uh, Cliff Branch was a star receiver for Oakland. Uh, unfortunately, passed away in 2019. But why I thought Cliff Branch showed him be before is when you look at the numbers of a for a player, the actual statistics for a player, you have to compare it to the era and what's going on in that era. And back when Cliff Branch was in his prime, there weren't guys that were putting up 120 catch seasons. Um, There weren't guys routinely putting up 12, 1300 yard seasons receiving or, you know, 14 touchdowns, whatever. You you didn't have those like that. So teams ran more and uh, plus there was a 14 game schedule. But Cliff Branch was one of the best receivers of his generation, of the era he was in. And so that's why I always said, if you compare him to the other receivers in that era, and other receivers who've gotten in, Cliff Branch certainly deserved to get in the Hall of Fame. I think this was long overdue. I, I'm surprised it took this long to get him in. I know the um, because now he's part of another committee. He couldn't get in with the um, uh, with the modern era class. So uh, Cliff Branch, though, love to see he gets in. Art McNally, the longtime official, and now the last one, Dick Vermeule. Now, Dick Vermeule, this one's tough for me because I I think I like Dick Vermeule as a coach. Um, I, I liked what he did, but I'm not sure if he's a Hall of Fame. Worthy candidate. And Vermeil, you know, he he uh, had success at UCLA and then goes to the NFL and get to catch on Philadelphia. He leads the Eagles to the Super Bowl where they lost um to uh, Oakland and, and Cliff Branch was on a team as well. He was, I believe. So Vermeil loses to Oakland, um, eventually retires, comes back, uh, does some TV work, which he was very good at, went to the Rams, uh, led that greatest show on turf, did a great job there, won a Super Bowl with the Rams and Kurt Warner and Marshall Falk and Isaac Bruce and Tory Holton those guys. And uh, then left again, then came back and coached Chiefs for a few years. So he, he, rare air as far as leading two teams to a Super Bowl because he led both the Rams and Eagles to a Super Bowl. But his overall coaching record, a very nondescript 126 and 114. So that's the only rub for me is that he, he it's not like he, he had a, a 600 winning percentage. I mean, he's 12 games over 500 as far as his coaching record goes. So um, he gets in. I'm just saying that I'm a little, I, I think there's probably other coaches who maybe have a better resume than Dick Vermeil that need to get in. But uh, congratulations to me on the rest of the class. And then lastly, uh, Luke Fickle, Cincinnati Bearcats. He signed an extension for $5 million a season through 2028. More importantly for him, I think, is they also added Cincinnati $1.4 million to his budget to pay assistance. So, you know, like Cincinnati, you remember they lost Marcus Freeman to Notre Dame and Brian Kelly, and now Freeman's the head coach there. But uh, this helps to maybe maintain some of the assistance as Fickle becomes the highest paid coach in the group of five. And now going into the big 12, uh, like right now compared to big 12 coaches, uh, he is the third highest paid coach, although they're not there yet. They'll be there shortly. But um, I, I think that, I think that Fickle is making all of his decisions based on the Ohio state job. Like I really believe that Luke Fickle wants to be the next head coach at Ohio state. And i got to believe there's outs in his contract, buyouts, whatever, that would allow that to happen if and when Ryan Day decides to leave. Now, I don't know. Ryan Day, I think at some point the NFL might appeal to him but uh, because he's got NFL ties. He's on such a roll at Ohio State right now. uh, Fickle may end up filling out that five-year deal at Cincinnati, and then maybe it's five years from now when Ryan Day departs uh, Ohio State, barring any kind of unforeseen circumstances. But um, Fickle, those deals through 2028, and like I say, a big part of it is he gets uh, that extra money to pay his assistance, hopefully keep some of those guys around for his program. Cincinnati, back-to-back undefeated regular seasons, 22-2 and overall the last two seasons. Uh, Fickle's got them rolling, and I'm, I'm anxious to see how well they do when they get into the Big 12. Uh, not that the AAC is a weak conference. There's a couple of good teams in there, but there's better teams in the Big 12, and uh, it's more competition, I think, when you get to there, obviously. So... Fickle um, anyway, five-year extension through 2028. Alright, that's it for today. Thanks for tuning in to the Jeff Fidoff Show. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at happens. Give me a follow, and uh, look forward to talking to you next time.